Welcome to KafaruCast, everyone. I've got my main man with a master plan across from me, Frank. Yo. And we have also got the elk calling master, Mr. Ketosis, the jar- large and in charge, Jason Big Daddy Phelps. The jolly white, <laughs> the jolly white giant. By the way, is your uh, ginger on like with it. you? He's not. He is uh, Hopi Mountain. He's hopefully catching up on some of my mountains. Uh, yeah, I've heard he's a little slow on that, but a perfectionist, so it comes out great. Yeah, yeah, that's that's his problem. He can't he can't go any faster. It's got to be perfect. Yeah, I think well, everybody should have their own ginger. Yeah, just don't look into there. So, hey, did uh, so, man, you've got had a ton of stuff going on. You came out with some new calls. You had the traditions video coming out. Uh, kind of let everybody know what all you got crack a lacking. Yeah, yeah, we um, so we'll start with the new calls. We've got you know the the amp's still fairly new, so we didn't go too crazy on that. We got uh, some new latex that we've uh, really been able to dial in um, spec wise. Uh, so we have a new uh, series of diaphragms coming out called the Pitch Black series. It, it uses a black latex, and it's kind of our first three pack of diaphragms we've ever produced. Um, we they're all they all use the same exact latex. We just uh, stretch them a little different. So somebody can now buy a three pack and say, you know, I like one and two, maybe not so much three. Um, I like two and three, maybe not so much one, and that gives us a better chance to to give them some direction in the future. Um, on that, we, that's what Frank we, does we, with we, women. <laughs> that's what I do with condoms. <laughs> uh, just kidding. <laughs> One stretches too much. Uh, no, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I, yeah. I don't know if you've been a- asked this before, but how long does it take to develop a new call? Do you guys kind of test them out the prior season, or do you kind of find something that works and sounds? You feel like it sounds right, and then you you bring it to market pretty quickly, or how long does the whole development process take? Yeah, we everything. Um, you know, except for really on everything that we've, we've released has been tested out in the field on real live elk, you know, um, beforehand. There's some things, you know, changes in latex and stuff like that we can kind of get away with. We know it's it's not necessarily going to matter as long as it sounds good. Um, but still, we haven't did that yet. Even this Pitch Black series, we probably had, um, you know, 200 of them out in the field with different guys testing them and, and giving us feedback. Um, and this latex was kind of a, a pain in the ass to develop because I kept asking for specifications. So I could look at, all right, these seven things you can modify within the latex. I just wanted to kind of play from, you know, all the way over to the left, all the way over to the right, and kind of test all these latex in between. And um, it took a while to get the factory to kind of let me play with some of those numbers. So are you... Um... Because I think we run into this kind of stuff with uh, certain components that we buy. But are you kind of a smaller customer to to the factories, the latex companies, to where that they you know you're not necessarily a priority, so it takes longer for you to to get what you're looking for or, or specific, uh, I guess, like custom orders and stuff like that. Yeah, sometimes my my latex supplier is actually really really good for as, as small of orders as I feel I put in. You know, because a lot of their they're um, the latex company's main businesses, like latex bands for physical therapy, for workout equipment, um, stuff like that. And so to, to dial it down and give me these little teeny pieces of very, very thin latex, um, it, they do have to kind of uh, set up for it. But um, you know, usually I can get samples and stuff within three or four weeks. So it's not it's not too bad, but there is there's a little bit of a way. Like I can't just rapid fire test. You know, I have to build the call, make a change, and then wait another month probably to get to even get to try it. 
Yeah, and you that new Bugle tube, which this is actually funny. I've pestered you for several years to build one, and then the year you finally build me one, we hunted mule deer the whole year. <laughs> Barely hunted any elk at all. <laughs> I felt like a dick, too. I'm yep. like, man, I told you yesterday, like, man, I'm sorry. I was like, we didn't hardly even hunt elk. No, no, it's all good. Uh, uh, don't, like, you guys can edit this out, but I almost love mule deer hunting as much as elk, too. It's just something about mule deer. I love them both, but... Uh, I don't blame you one bit for sure. Uh, hunting all year. Part of the problem is I got my ass handed to me and retired on the side of the mountain, which then Frank felt obligated to keep helping me. So then I crushed his elk season two to keep going back. But we did get it done finally. Yeah. I got to say, yeah, it, it didn't. Worked out, it were, go ahead. Worked out good for you guys. Yeah, I got to say, it didn't hurt my feelings that we uh, we didn't hunt elk. I'd rather hunt mule deer any day, personally. But <laughs> <laughs> take, take that back. Take yeah. that back. <laughs> oh, Lord, that's funny. What? So what, what went on? I know we were supposed to be a part of the Traditions video, but I retired on the side of the mountain and a bunch of other crap came up, so we didn't go hunt with the um, uh, Frodo and Bilbo. But uh, that looks like it's kicking <laughs> off pretty cool. I've watched little video clips here and there and everything else. Yeah, so the, the Anger Mountain Productions, which we were one of those uh, groups of hunters that never did – anything besides call ourselves a group and we're like either we need to kick this thing off and do something or just be ourselves and hunt like why why are we a group we'd always had big plans of uh, of doing the videos you know last year we got to be a part of the barnery's outdoors project and we really kind of like what came of that and so kind of put our heads together in the off season and said hey let's let's go for it and so we um you know with you guys we had you guys on the schedule we had uh um Brian Lampers um, from Project Waypoint or Stealthy Hunter, uh, Matt Davis from Mountain Ops. Um, we just kind of scheduled some hunts with, with people we always wanted to hunt with and, and did something very similar. So um, we have six members of the group, myself, Nick Schmidt, John Gabriel, Charlie Smith, Tyson Drevnock, and then Kelly Smith. Um, we all just kind of documented our, our hunts um, out in the field and then collaborated and put it all back together when we got back. Uh, I think total we had a little over 100 days 100 plus video days in the field and we're going to pare that down to probably 35 to 40 um episodes uh, running back to back i think we're just going to do weekdays but that will kick off on uh monday january 14th it'll it'll go live on youtube gotcha tell us a little about what you did what's going to be on there just because i'm only asking you because keep people keep asking me and i don't really know so. is it is it mainly elk or do you guys have some mule deer stuff in there because you did have a you guys you guys had some deer hunts this year right yeah yeah not to give away i mean you know everything always goes back to kills or harvest um we were able to take uh eight elk and uh, i think seven deer is what we calculated out or have it all wrote down um so you know in the 35 days we killed 15 animals so um eight elk um most all of them are archery besides one and then um deer we were able to kill six with uh guns and then or actually five with guns and then two with bows so um we have that all all laid out but we started um in western washington we drew one of our buddies drew an incentive tag which is kind of like a governor's tag they give out for uh reporting your harvest statistics early well that tag basically gives you free reign of western washington for for four months and so we'll kick it off with that a uh, real fun hunt, real quick hunt, um, you know, hunting the rut with a gun. But And then, and then we'll kick off archery where uh, you know, we travel to Colorado with Born and Raised, John and Charlie go to Idaho, um, John and Charlie go to Montana, me and Tyson and Lampers and Matt go to Idaho, 
And then uh, Nick finishes it off in Oregon um, with a pretty good season as far as, like, the archery elk goes. So it's just kind of a – we're in multiple states. I think we ended up being in six states total, um, both elk and deer hunting. And then, uh, you know, we have a Nevada mill deer tag, a couple of Colorado mill deer tags, and Montana mill deer tags. So it's kind of just our adventures. Um, you know, anybody that's followed us or paid any attention, which I didn't expect you to, but if you have, you'll know that we're always flipping crap at each other, giving each other crap at um, you'll be able to see a lot of that, you know, as we're out in the woods and just kind of a, a fun natured hunt. But, you know, we're still kind of getting it done uh, in our, our own way. On this hunt uh, or this series, everything's pretty much over the counter um, public land. We Some of the archery deer are on some private land um, at the end, but it's still, um, you know, it was our, our wives hunting and it's kind of their style. So it worked, it worked good. Gotcha. So are you saying Nick did not choke his ass off this year <laughs> or he did? No, no. Nick Nick redeemed himself for the project in a big way. He carried a with those guys in Oregon. Nick he, he carried a pretty heavy load, and they got some pretty good footage. Well, that's um, that's good. We, um, I may have taken his place on uh, the choke master. So um, I heard that you, the uh, Elk One Hundred One dude, uh, basically you guys had like a uh, I don't know what you call it technically a woundathon. Yeah, and I, I mean, not to, make any excuses, not to make any excuses for myself, but it was like 25-yard shot, pretty steep uphill, but even if I held my bow gangster sideways, there's no way my bubble was off that much. And I've watched the footage like 50 times, and I don't know what happened. I mean, great blood for 50 yards, coming off both sides, and just dry. What do you What do you um, think? You know, I, I only bring this up because... Um, we didn't have any issue, so I missed a lot in the high country hunt. But we didn't have any of those puzzling watch the video over and over this year. I guess did we? Um, I fucked up a lot in Alberta. Yeah, but you didn't hit any. That's what I mean. You didn't wound anything. No. Mm-mm. But I've been faced with what you're talking about. Not to interrupt you, if you were to no, guess no. what would it, what happened? Because dude, these things haunt me until the end of time they drive me crazy when i know i made a good hit or i made a good shot and something else happened what do you think actually what what go over the scenario of what happened and what do you think caused not finding that bull um you know so if anybody watched the video already that was that that miss or the hit and non-recovery was shown on on the born and raised series um you know we i was a steep uphill so by getting on my knees it was a completely different view than standing up while well, i was basically pinned down for 10 or 15 minutes uh standing up and every time i would try to to get to my knees my pack was rubbing on a tree and he would you know whip his head up so finally he kind of lost his footing a little bit the bull did and kind of had to back up and i took that opportunity to drop to my knees and opened up my sight picture um me and my cameraman were guessing 27 25 27 yards so i just pulled up split the 20 and 30 mid body and, and let it fly. Um, the bull kind of reacts with kind of a leg kick and darts off. So um, we all, I mean, at that time, and you see my reaction on video now that I know I didn't find it, it's kind of a stupid reaction, but you know, I thought the bull was dead. You hear the big watermelon thump, everything looked, sounded, felt good. Um, you sit there for an hour, go up and start looking. And, you know, we looked for the arrow for maybe five minutes, couldn't find it. And we're like, oh, we know where he went. Let's look it off the blood trail. And instantly good blood. So your, you know, your, your spirits up high, um, starts to bleed out of both sides. We're like, right, this is really good. Um, we had seen him stand there for a little bit, a big pile of blood. And I'm talking, you know, probably 24 inches by 24 inches. And it's thick enough that it's covering the ground. Looks good. Um, and then he takes about 10 more steps and then there's nothing. 
what I gathered from just looking at the blood is that the the two drips of blood are fairly close by. I'm thinking, if anything, I hit maybe too low or in front of the leg, but in front of the leg doesn't make a lot of sense. I'm just thinking I hit low and kind of just caught the bottom end of his chest, and so that entrance and exit are sitting maybe only six to eight inches apart, um, you know, and it's hiding that blood just straight dripping out of the bottom. Um, and then that, that, that heavy blood we got off the bat was just that initial cut. Yeah, what broadhead were you shooting? Uh, I'm shooting the one that I helped design, that um, Radical Archery Designs Rival, and we've had great luck with it um, what, it besides was my bowl. I mean, it was a fixed blade, though? Yeah, we had fixed blade. Um, and then we did go back and found the arrow later. It stepped right through. The blood looked really, really good, smelled good. Um, I don't know. It's just one of those things that baffles me. To, and when we did see him standing there, you know, he kind of had his head down, and he was, you know, like they do, they turn around and kind of look at the wound. And so the way he was looking, it was down behind his lower shoulder, but I could never see any blood or anything as he was standing there. Um, it's just, yeah, just a baffling thing. But, yeah, I've, um, I'm going to have to do something. I'm switching something up. I'm, maybe it's a release thing, something I'm switching up because it, it is, the last two years have been a mess for me. It's not for lack of opportunity or calling bulls, and it's a lack of opportunity on me, you know, executing a shot that, that both of them have been fairly easy. How big was that bull? Um, he was a six. He was big frame, but kind of a little top work. But everything else looked good. Looked like good eye guards, good third, good sword. Um, pretty small at top, but he was good. I mean, healthy, healthy bull. I gotta say though, uh, I mean, it's cool that you're talking about it. Do you show it? Do you show this in in the film at all? Yeah, yeah, we showed that all. Yeah, so I, th- I think that's pretty cool because I think a lot of times you see these hunting films and especially hunting TV, um, where they leave that kind of realistic, the the real life stuff out. Where you know, not every time. Um, even if it feels like it's a perfect shot, not every time do you recover the animal and you, you know you put all that effort into into finding it and, and all that. But um, sometimes people just show the good without the bad. So I think I, I definitely commend you for that. Yeah, and I don't. I mean, I don't have a problem showing that. Um, you know, I'm pretty reserved on when you put that out there. Though everybody's you know everybody's the, an expert. Has the ability to become a critic. Yeah, yeah. and I'm like, it is what it is. Yeah, I. I I didn't recover the bull. I don't, but I was extremely confident in the shot. It's not like I took a bad shot, a rush shot. I mean, it happened pretty quick, but everything was fairly calculated and it's like, it just didn't turn out good. Um, yeah, but you open yourself up to be a critic and you can't, you know, tell everybody to go F off or go fly a kite. <laughs> um, you, just got, you pretty much just have to sit there and take every shot that's sent your way. And, um, it sucks, but, uh, I guess, you know, if anything take, I can take from it and, and learn from it and hopefully won't let it happen again. It's funny you bring that up. Yesterday, the mountain lion video, right? Uh, my clicker didn't go off. Well, if you know what you're looking at, right? I went to full draw, held anchor, performed back tension, arrow flew perfect, killed the cat. Well, if you're looking to just take pot shots at people, the clicker did not go off, but it's pretty obvious that something was wrong because there's probably a half inch in slack total. So that means I would have had to have short drawn a half inch and my form would have shown that, but the clicker cord moved. So you had a ton of, as you say, you know, guys on there, everybody's an expert, you know, throwing it in. Someone said your clicker didn't go off. Several people. Oh my God. Um, like, <laughs> oh, is that but clicker there for looks? Andy Ivy, bow hunting. Oh, my oh he God. got on there and chimed in and I'm like, 
The flight was perfect, chuckle nuts. Like, obviously, you can see me anchor. I'm not nervous, and I make a perfect shot. I didn't collapse. I didn't yep. do anything. But that clicker cord can move just from beating the brush. I don't, I mean, it doesn't matter to me. I don't mind the ribbing. It doesn't, whatever. But I was laughing, thinking, what kind of life do you lead to look that close to make fun of me after I kill one of the largest mountain lions ever shot with a bow? What kind yeah. of person are you, yeah. right? Like, what does that? Yeah. Do you get enjoyment for that? Maybe you should take medication. And then you look at. I've seen the video you're talking about. Um, at least I think I have. And there was nothing wrong. You didn't make any bad shot. You didn't rush it. It wasn't far, right? It wasn't a bad angle. Yeah, it was. It was way too close, and that's what, that's another frustrating part. Yeah, but. yeah. I mean, you know, it was all good, and things happen, right? I mean, it's just part of part of bow hunting, and I really. There's three people specifically I'm thinking of now that totally hide everything they do wrong, only post perfection, and it's just not realistic. It gives people, uh, you know, false hope, and makes them feel yeah. horrible when they do something wrong. When we all have issues, no matter what. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is what I mean. That if if my if the the idea behind this project is to go out and document what we did this year in hunting season, you know, why why would we leave that out? Um, you know, it's. It, it could help somebody down the road. I mean, there, there's, there are some positives that could come from that. Um, you know, it wasn't really positive for me. And the other thing that really sucks is if you're out there doing it by yourself or maybe with a buddy, you know, it's, it's, you let you and your buddy down. But on that hunt in particular, when you're hunting with four guys that you really never hunted with before, I just, I just felt even worse. Like, man, you kind of let the whole crew down and, um, kind of Frank, sucks. I'm sorry about that ahead of time. Cause Frank retired with me on the side of the mountain. Letting him down? <laughs> I did. I wasn't let down. I mean, I, I, like I said, I like to mule deer hunt. So if I got any opportunity to go along with, I'm I'm all for it, man. I, yeah, that's one thing. I don't ever really get down when people miss. I might crack a couple jokes, but well, Frank brought it up earlier. He, you know, whatever I struggled with in the high country, he struggled with in Alberta. And you actually, you I flicked you a little shit. You didn't flick me any shit in the hike. Other than you told me I should throw my bow in the woods because it's made of wood <laughs> and pick up a compound. Send it home <laughs> to its friends. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there's years you're only as good as your last shot and, like, messing with Nick about shooting, you know, sending a lot of arrows to Jesus is what we call them. You're only yep. as good as your last shot. That can mentally get to you. And sometimes, and I'm not coaching you by any means, but sometimes changing whether it actually needs to happen or not, gives you kind of a reboot, a restart. And, uh, man, I, I mean, with a stick bow, I've had to do it, and it might be something where you just screw around with some other stuff, and whether or not it actually even makes a difference, it'll give you a reboot and a fresh yep. start. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. If I, I have a bad, bad habit of when I, I first learned to shoot, like anchoring in behind my ear, getting that, that index knuckle behind my ear. Well, I set it in there like three or four times, so I'm sitting there like, you know, bouncing my hand, it's, it's just, it, there's some things I need to change anyways, but, uh, we'll work on that in the off season. Um, it's not ideal and it's a bad habit, but, um, yeah, we're going to, we're going to change some stuff up and, and build some confidence in the off season, hopefully. Um, but other than that, every, I mean, the series awesome. We've got some great call-ins. I can already tell you we're going to have to defend ourselves on some frontal shots, but when they're, um, you know, 10 and 12 yards away and we're, we're covering the bulls 30 yards away. Um, you know, I've, I've killed a lot of bulls broadside, lung, you know, high lung, low lung, mid lung, heart shots. And, uh, these bulls are being recovered way quicker, but, you know, so we're going to catch them, catch them hell. But, um, I think the, the blood trails and the recovery times will, uh, maybe be able to defend that. 
Uh, you don't have to spend it with me because I love the frontal shot. It is devastating. And he, here's the thing with the frontal. Here's here's my deal. If you can't hit a bull in the ass with a bass fiddle or a barn wall from the inside of the barn, probably shouldn't take a frontal shot. Probably shouldn't take a broadside shot. <laughs> yep. But if you're a good yep. shot and that, and, and that animal's inside of a, you know, because the thing you're looking at, it's either going to be a kill or you're going to hit its shoulder and the animal's probably going to be fine. Um, yeah. But when you hit it in that honey hole, man, I've hit several that way. And I've never had a bad um, experience with a frontal. They have all been good and been 15 to 20 yard blood trails. Just crazy, crazy devastation. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's what we have. But um, no, it's pretty exciting. Um, we're excited. And then, uh, yeah, it's uh, launched. Nick actually. Uh, uh, retired from his day job to, to take over and do the editing and uh, do all the content creation and stuff for uh, for Angry Mountain. So um, he's been hard at work getting that, um, trying to get a film submittal ready for for the Western Hunt Expo. So he's he's grinding away and grinding away on that while uh, the rest of us are doing calls and getting getting ready for the other shows and and all that. So it's uh, it seems like it's really easy to go through, but when you have uh, you know, 100 plus days in the field, and every day he's got three or four hours of footage. He has no idea what he's looking at. He's got to watch all that again. I'm like, man, you can have that, have that job. Do you think that you'll ever um, go full time with the calls? Because you're still, uh, you're still doing engineering and stuff, right? You make, uh, you make little I, uh, I, crapper tanks for kids. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm actually actively training my replacement now. Uh, where I hope, um, you know, my boss is kind of giving me the permission once, once the new guys train that I can kind of cut back to, to three quarters to half time. So that'll kind of be my next little step. Um, it's kind of sitting there for a while. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a tight ass financially conservative type of guy. So I've, I've got some stuff I want to get paid off and, and get some finances in order. And then, uh, once that done, once that's all taken care of, we can uh, look at, at doing it full time. I mean, financially I can afford it. It's just, uh, you know, insurance is nice and all that good stuff that I get from showing up here every day at work. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, I think uh, I think one day you'll go you'll go big time, and then you'll be like the uh, Wayne Carlton of of our era. <laughs> yeah, hopefully without be, the cowboy hat. Be cool. uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't. It's weird. I've never. You know, everybody asks you know future plans and and you know what impact you think you've had on the industry, and I. It's weird. I've never thought about that stuff at all. I just do it because I like it and and do what I do day by day and. Uh, Maybe maybe somewhere down the road I'll look back and, and see you know kind of kind of the road I was on. But right now I I don't look at any of that sort of crap. I just do it because I like it. Yeah, I definitely have seen uh, I've definitely seen the Phelps Game Calls brand grow a lot since I've worked here at Kafaro. I think when I first started it was it was kind of smaller, but the more and more I look on social media during especially elk hunting season, I see a, a ton of people using your your call. So I I definitely think it's growing up growing up and getting getting big for sure yep yep and then uh with those growing pains trying to get a a not real business savvy redneck to learn all the ropes and the rules of business is uh been another interesting uh challenge that goes along with all that so i've i tried to adapt ask ask guys like aaron um other guys that, that knew more about the business side and the, the industry side um, a lot of questions along the way and uh um, hopefully didn't bug them too much just to, to kind of learn the ins and outs. And, and no, not at all. You're on the cool list, man. You know that. <laughs> I still feel like I'm bothering people because uh, I just don't know. I mean, you can sit and Google and everybody's an, an expert on the Internet, but I want to talk to guys that really, you know, 
uh, work outside of the business every day. And uh, so, well, when are you going to hunt with me and Frank? You hunt with a born and raised guys. What the hell? Whenever um, is it? Because I'm brown. Whenever you get, let's put something on the books. Whatever <laughs> you guys want to do, deer, elk. We'll. Uh, I come to Colorado or try to come to Colorado now every single year to deer hunt, but you guys usually take out by the time I get there in November. Yeah, we we've got a pretty busy schedule this year too. Actually, we've got a uh, spring black bear. I got a brown bear hunt. We got antelope, mountain goat, mule deer. Well, I don't think we even have an elk hunt booked yet, do we? All I have is a <laughs> rifle elk here in Colorado. Yep. I've been saving up some points for. That one might be one you want to come out for if you're not busy. Cause, um, rifle elk? Yeah, I don't know. We'll try and get you a tag because it's, it's, uh, it's a draw tag. It takes quite a few points, and it's got some some big elk, and uh, they're still calling at that time. Um you know, it's a pretty epic hunt. Yeah, well, uh, we'll have to talk because I'm, I've been, I've got two archery hunts on the books, and then um, I've been looking for a rifle elk hunt. Um, so yeah, if we can make that work, we'll have to see if we can swing it. What are you, what are you shooting nowadays for a rifle? Because uh, I think last time I talked to you, you had some big old monster cannon rifle thing. So it depends on if I'm backpacking or if I'm, you know, semi hunting from the truck. I've got two guns to choose from. I've got a seven short action ultra mag, which is my, you know, barely above eight pounds with optics gun, but still carries pretty good, pretty good thumb play out there. And then I've got the giant cannon, which is the 338 edge, um, weighs 15 pounds. It's a pair of pack. It's got a 30 inch barrel and a two inch long break. So you can't even barely walk through the woods without, you know, hitting every, it's, it's a, it's a mess, but the gun is an absolute dream to shoot. So it's, it's kind of that balance, and, and I like the idea of anything I hit with that 300 bullet coming out of the edge um, is usually I can hit it in the hoof, and it's probably going to, you know, die right there. <laughs> um, that's the one advantage of sending a, a big, giant bullet really fast, but then uh, things typically don't move as long as you touch them. You've, uh, you've shot a few animals pretty at pretty long distances. How did you kind of get into the long-range shooting? Is it a lot of self-taught stuff, or do you... You shoot with some guys up there yeah. where you live, or my builder. Um, he was one of the before the you know all this new gun stuff. You know, like Pinch does where they run around and they you know shoot the gun between their. You know, I'm, I'm making jokes, but they shoot the gun between their legs and then they run to the next thing and they got to shoot over top their. You know, back when it was more of a prone. Um, my builder was a very very good calculated shooter, and so he gave me some stuff. And then the other um, thing I have on my side is that I'm a, a numbers nerd anyways and so the whole idea of you know doing the quick math and, and figuring out drops and all that stuff just makes sense to me um so i, I kind of nerded out on it plus took some of you know pinches and and travis's and all those guys that know a lot more about reading the wind than i do took all the information and kind of just absorbed it um and and we've made some you know some i try not i still want to be quote unquote a hunter and i don't want to piss any long-range guys off by saying you're not hunting shoot longer but ideally i would like to take semi-long shots but still feel like you know the animal had a chance at some point um but i've made <laughs> you know hit, I, I wounded a deer last year in montana um you know at a, at a fairly decent shot but it wasn't extreme long range by any means it was like 650 yards and uh, made a didn't make a great hit and uh normally i would never shoot this far but the, the, the buck ran away and then he came back out at 1150 
And uh, at that point, I would never shoot at him. My first shot, I'm like, well, shit, I got a chart here. I got a number for that. All you got to do is dial the scope and uh, made another hit at 1,150 yards um, you know, on that deer. So I, I've shot long range, but I would just prefer to sneak up on him and shoot him as close as possible. But um, anything in between, I, I like it all. Yeah, I got to agree with you there. Being able to being able to reach out longer is nice if you have to, but I I definitely like shooting them up as as close as possible. And I guess that probably goes the, the same for uh for archery because we were kind of talking about this yesterday with uh, Brian Broderick from Day Six Arrows that um you know getting close is definitely the uh, the pri- the priority when you're when you're shooting and uh, especially with archery. But being able to shoot far is nice, but knowing your limits is basically what it comes down to is the <clears throat> being the most important yep. thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm really comfortable with both those guys. Really, really comfortable. You know, inside 800, I'm gonna hit first shot, and it's not gonna move. And then 800 to 1,000 is gonna have to be a perfect day. And then over 1,000, I'm probably never gonna shoot. Um, yeah, I shoot paper and and steel targets out past 1,000. But in hunting, I'm like, if I can't figure out a way to get closer, then that thing should probably get to live where he's at. Kind of do that. I mean, that's my own rules. That's not everybody's rules. That's just kind of the rules. I and my confidence in my own shooting ability and being able to read the wind. I gotcha. And what? So, what are you using for uh, for like scopes on on your rifles? Are you uh, a loophole guy, or what are you using right now? Yeah. So both of my rifles are topped with uh, loophole Mark Fives. Um, that new new tactical scope they came out with last year. Um, it's everything everything I've seen. I originally had Vortex uh, Razor and then an AMG or yeah AMG on those two guns. Switched those both out for the the Mark Fives and. Uh, extremely impressed with the glass quality and everything and you know for for guys that like to dial their scope more importantly is how accurate are the clicks and then you got to kind of shoot out the long range and confirm the clicks and it's been um you know right on uh, it, you know i shot my deer this year at 6 30 um you know we were plinking rocks in colorado just thinking around during the midday heat there and we were you know shooting rocks at 1200 um you know it's 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 They've been great scopes, and uh, can't can't ask for too much more out of them. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been talking to a few guys, and I've they've been recommending that that new Mark V scope, and it it looks pretty good. I've got yeah. a I've got a, a couple VX sixes, and then um, I got a a Razor Gen two on on one of my ARs, which I I really like as well. So there's a lot of good options out there, but I'm pretty intrigued about that, yeah. that new Mark V scope. Yeah, the biggest pain in my ass is uh, I've got. When they originally came out with that scope, they only had them in mills, and my brain does not work in mills very well, so I just have to look at my phone and you know, make corrections and stuff. But uh, they now have that scope in MOA, so I think I'm going to switch over. I gotcha. Cool. So, uh, what? So, what's on the uh, on the docket for next year? Are you guys going to do another film, or what? What exactly do you guys have planned? For sure. Yeah, we've uh, we've already started the planning phase. There um, had a couple meetings trying to look because. Not only is it easy just to plan over the counter, but then all of us are building points in almost all western states. So you gotta kinda of look at who's wanting to draw what and what are the chances. I should draw, you know, Wyoming elk, um, you know, and, and some of that stuff. So that gets thrown in there. But we'll try to do um, you know, twelve to thirty you know, probably twelve elk hunts amongst the group at least. Um, you know, and then a, a plethora of deer hunts along the way and then whatever random draws we, we may draw we'll we'll mix them in. Um, I think Nick and John in May or April, you guys probably know better than I do, are going to New Zealand, kind of uh, um, taking your guys' places. Yeah, yeah, they are. I think they are going to do the, the tar and the chamois hunt. We uh, we just couldn't 
<laughs> we just didn't have the dedication to fly out um, all the way to New Zealand. And last year we couldn't make it because we had a, a big military order come in and we had some, some things come up business-wise. So we just yeah. we couldn't make it happen. So we figured those guys might yep. want to go in our place. So um, Yep, and then uh, we'll do spring bear. We should draw one or two Washington spring bear tags. And then uh, uh, on top of that, we'll probably do like Idaho spring bear. So we're... We're going to stay pretty busy and try to mix in content throughout the whole year now that this is going. And now that that's Nick's only job is to make sure we're always, you know, reviewing this or, or you know, doing this, reviewing the experts, um, you know, year reviews, stuff like that. Um, it'll kind of be his full-time gig now is to never stop creating. So so who's all part of the uh... – Who's all part of the the projects? You guys, you guys have a bunch of guys. I know everyone in the group chat or just about that. It's on Facebook, which is pretty comical that I chime in on every once in a while. They're all in it, but um, for the listeners, who's all part of the uh, of the uh, film project? So the, as far as the, the there's six of us in the group, but then we try to reach out and collaborate. You know, with with uh, some of our partners, um, whether it's you know you guys, whether it's Mountain Ops, whether it's you know whoever whoever we you know we want we want to try to hook up hunts with and, and get hunt with these guys and kind of show their characters as well um but it's me nick john uh tyson charlie and kelly uh are the core members of amp but then we hunt with you know as i mentioned earlier matt davis uh ryan lampers um you know guys like that that, that we invited on the hunts to hunt with them and then you know born and raised uh dirt durham was on the colorado hunt with us so just trying to hunt with guys we like that, that hunt similar ways and, and uh, you know, share the hunts with them. Gotcha. Now, are you, um, you as in we, aren't we going to be doing a potentially like live podcast or something? That's the plan. Um, uh, you know, Jack Lander contacted both of us, I think, on trying to do a, a BHA slash Kafaru cast slash Aaron Snyder slash, uh, you know, uh, Ingram Productions, like kind of a live wrap-up, and I think we're going to try to put it in Portland somewhere towards the end of March. is is all tentative. We haven't locked anything down yet, but that's kind of our plan. Yeah, no, I, I wanted to kind of announce that once you guys figure it out, just because I got a lot of people from the West Coast that, you know, want me to head out there and, and do some type of a seminar somewhere about backpack hunting. So this would be perfect because they kind of get the best of all worlds where, you know, you get some backpack hunting, some elk calling, a little bit of everything, so... Yep, yep, and then you know, wrap the project up, and uh, they, they're just fun events. You know, a lot of a lot of those events get a lot of hate. Um, you know, all the all the cool kids getting together, a bunch of you know whatever they want to call it. But everyone I've went to has been pretty awesome. When you're done, you know, just people like-minded people all enjoy doing something. Ends up being a pretty good time um, at the end of the night. There's medication for the haters. I've learned it's all right. <laughs> yep, yep. No, it should be a good time, and uh, hopefully we can get that on the books and announce it here shortly. Haters going to hate, and ain'ters going to ain't. That's correct. And right now, it yep. doesn't matter because I'm eating a peanut butter bar, so there's nothing affecting me now. I'm in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> I was speaking of uh, speaking of eating peanut butter bars. Um, we talked about this on the last podcast that we tried to do with you, but it didn't. The audio kind of sucked, but um, you did, you went through a pretty big uh, physical transformation this what year. What are you right? saying is you're not fat anymore? <laughs> not not as fat. Not you're as a fat. pH um, fat, pHAT. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it's one of those things where that freaking number on the scale. I'm like, you always kind of think you're in better shape, and then that number doesn't lie. You're like, holy shit, I'm I'm a uh, I'm getting really close to being 200 pounds last year when I got home from the Western Hunt Expo, and I I figured something out. Um, and then I heard that that keto diet was good for fat kids. 
So I figured I might as well try that, and it just worked for me. Um, uh, you know, if I told me I can sit down and eat as much, uh, you know, ribeye steak or uh, New York steaks and, and burgers as I can, bacon, eggs, I'm like, sign me up. And uh, it worked worked pretty dang well. You know what? And on top of that, I can't necessarily it was 100% of the diet because I had got my fat ass gym in probably four years. And so dedicated myself going back to the gym every morning for an hour and a half, you know, 40, 45 minutes cardio and then 45 minutes on the weights and uh, eating right and was able to burn off quite a bit of the, um, you know, the, the extra weight. And what, do you, felt, what are you down to now? This year. Um, well, at the, at the end of hunting season, I bounced down to 230 and, uh, the damn holidays always get in the way, and I think I, I kind of went off the whole keto thing for, for two months, gained about 15 of it back, and now I've, I've started again and lost about 10. So I think I'm sitting right about 245 right now with a goal to get back down to 230. How tall are you, though? You're pretty dang tall. Yeah, I'm 6'4"-ish. Yeah, yeah. No, the keto, it works. And, I mean, one thing I will say, not from personal experience because I've never been able to go full keto, but once your body kind of adapts to that diet – your backpacking food weighs um, like significantly less um, because yeah. carbs are so damn expensive or so damn heavy. Yeah, but there is something that your brain, even when I do, you know, when I do keto for what's in it for six months, never ever crave sugar, not even once. Um, when you're hiking and working your ass off in the mountain, there is something about like that bag of Skittles that just like your body's like telling you like, hey, I need those and. That was the other thing I probably screwed up when I did backpack. Um, you can get away with a lot more carbs and still stay in keto, and I kept my carbs, like, down to zero, and I think it screwed up my performance a little bit in the mountains. But I felt I felt pretty dang good, um, you know, in the mountains, just eating straight macadamia nuts and oils and coconut oils and, and, and that sort of stuff. I still felt good, but I think I could have performed maybe even a little bit better with some a little bit of sugar in there. Gotcha. What, uh, what advice... Um, by the way, you need to give James Pecker a call and give him a pep talk about that. What advice would you <laughs> give, uh, give guys? Cause I've, I'm the same way I fought weight my whole life. Um, you know, it's different body types and, you know, whatever sugar, you know, sugar cravings or whatever sweet tooth. Um, what advice would you give to guys? Um, I, I mean, I know what I give, but I'm curious for you. What advice would you give them to get kind of going, get off their ass, and then as far as the dieting side, because it, it's hard to just, it's kind of like, I mean, I hate to say it this way, quitting heroin, heroin or Copenhagen or whatever, it's hard to just wake yeah. up one day and say, from here on out, I'm eating healthy. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah. So you're going to have bad days. Yeah and, yeah, and I think that's, most people probably kill, you know, kill the whole idea or the whole diet or the whole transformation within that, you know, first week, two weeks, four weeks. Um, it becomes hard, and that's where being a fat kid at heart, you know, I'm, I think you need to do something that's that's easy and that, that you don't you don't you know hate every second of it. And that's where keto was so good for me. But no matter what you do, ease into it. Like, don't just say I'm going zero carb tomorrow and go from eating 400 gram, you know, <laughs> grams of carbs to zero. You're going to bonk, and it's going to feel miserable, and you're going to hate life. So, like. Come up with a like go half like go halfway like if you're eating 400 carbs now go to 200 and then go to 100 and then maybe try 50. Like I think everybody's just so gung ho out of the gate and they set themselves up for disaster and especially me like I can power through because I when I just went back here a couple weeks ago I knew what the end results were going to be but I had the worst 
well, I said a migraine, but I had a, like a two-week headache, just miserable no matter how much salt I ate. And it just, you know, a normal person that didn't know the result at the end, they probably would have said, screw this, I'm going back to where I was at. Um, yeah, you get like a sugar headache or a salt headache from deprivation of it. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's just, there's stuff your body you will want to, you know, and your body's designed to, to, it likes that big insulin surge. So I think your body always wants that. And it kind of keeps telling you like, Hey, you need to eat, you're hungry, you need to eat. Um, so just, and if you need to eat, then by all means eat, just pick a good, you know, a good food choice for me. It was, you know, when I used to eat, it was, what can I go get out of the refrigerator or off, of, you know, out of the cupboard that will take me less than a minute to be have, you know, have something in my mouth. Where now it's like, all right, if I want to eat, maybe it's going to take me 10 or 15 minutes to go for some elk steak. You know, just make better choices. If you're hungry, by all means, eat. Don't don't starve yourself, but make a better choice. And so that's that's really where I came from because I'm the first one that wants to default back. And uh, I just kind of figured out some ways that work for me, like don't starve yourself uh, and then don't jump 100% head in or you're going to fail. I would concur, which is why you see the gyms full in January and empty in February. Everybody hops on yep. this uh, train, and it's not attainable. Uh, and Frank was actually a fat kid at one time, too. He's much better at saying no, the push-away diet, uh, than <laughs> I am. But um, I think that people, you know, rather than say, I'm going to go buy some tennis shoes and I'm going to run 10 miles tomorrow, go out and walk a mile if you haven't done anything. Walk two yep. miles. Um, rather than saying, I'm cutting carbs out or whatever – you know what, cut complex carbs out and, and uh, you know, rather, like you were talking about, cut soda out, start just weaning off, weaning down, and weight will start to shed. And what's good about weaning off is when you hit that plateau and maybe when you've cut soda out and you've lost maybe 15, 20, next when you cut out, I don't know, whatever, cookies, you're going to lose some more. And so you're bridging yep. that weight down and doing it at a, a level that, most people, if you were mentally strong enough to do it all at one time, you probably wouldn't be fat anyway. And so you know yep. you're going to have to work at it. And, and it's coming from a guy who's a fat kid, so I know how you feel. Yep. No, it's – I mean, and, and I I honestly believe it's probably, you know, the specific diet I was on wasn't for anybody, or, you know, or everybody. Uh, you know, it may work for some – I think the people I've talked to, it works better for that, the, you know, that typical fat kid, the guy that's meant to be maybe a little bit bigger or just naturally he's, uh, you know, a little bit bigger, heavier set, it seems to work better for that. And, you know, there's there's guys that are in great shape eating, you know, 200 grams, 300 grams of carbs that are still lean. So it's, you know, finding what works for you, um, you know, it seems to be the, the right choice. No, definitely. What, um, we kind of skipped, what what bow and arrow were you shooting? So I, this year I had uh, a Prime Synergy Hybrid, um, and then uh, the arrow was a, uh, Black Eagle Rampage um, with probably 200 grains up front um, with that rad broadhead. So it's, and I, I shot it really well. Um, you know, it may not, I, I think I said this before, it, the the prime may not be like the smoothest drawing bow, the easiest to draw bow. It may not be the fastest, but I just, I help the thing, uh, you know, all summer shooting 3D and shooting targets. The thing, the pin just wanted to sit, um, which made me extremely confident. It, I shot it really well, but yeah, and then you were you were shooting black eagles, right? Yep, yep, the, the rampage. Have you tried out any of the new prime bows, or what are you thinking for next season? I haven't. I've uh, I've been talking with uh, Corey a little bit. Um, you know, talking with the the prime rep that we deal with a little. I think I'm gonna shoot a 39 inch hunting bow. We'll see how it goes. But uh, 
um, it'll be interesting to shoot a bow that long uh, for hunting, but it's the only one in their I line. I shoot a 64-inch hunting bow. Don't bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, that's my thing. I mean, being six foot four and you look at a guy like Gabriel who's five foot six, I'm like, even if I shoot a 39 inch bow, my bottom cam is farther from the ground than his 31 inch bow. But I should be good. Yeah, I don't think you're going to. I've always really liked long bows. If I had to shoot a compound again and um, was going to choose, it'd probably be 37, 38 inches long. I just, I would choose the forgiving, you know, it's forgiving the accuracy of the longer bow. Then uh, maybe the more compactness of a shorter bow. Yep, yep, and the speeds are the same. Um, the other bonus to that bow is I can actually get back to my true 32-inch draw length instead of, uh, you know, I was shortened up on that hybrid at 31 where it maxes out. And so it'll be nice to get back there, gain a little bit of speed, and then I'll probably, you know, I came from an era where I shot an 86-pound bow back in the day. I'll probably drop this one down to 66 to try to keep that speed around 280 and, and just be happy with it. Aaron and I were talking about this the last few days that uh, I was going to do the same thing, pick up one of the, the new prime target bows and hunt a lot of stuff with that where, you know, where the size isn't going to be, um, I guess, uh, restricting. And then uh, I'll have, you know, the new CT5 for the for the other stuff. So I'm pretty excited to try that yeah. out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm excited to get that bow back. Uh, I sent my other one off to to rip cord they were testing testing that new rest out on it and um so no i don't have a bow right now but uh hopefully that ct9 shows up pretty soon when are you pussy's gonna pick up a stick bow <laughs> so i've got i've got a bow uh a beautiful bow um and i i got it over a year ago and still haven't had arrows made it what kind a, of bow an is rer it? it's an rer all I mean, it's fancier than crap. I just told Cheston to make me a beautiful bow because I don't ever want to have to buy one again. Um, well, rub I think some funk 50. on it. What's the problem? Um, I don't. I don't even know how to string the thing. Like I have to have Cody down there at Triple X like string it for me, and then it's it's not good. I don't know anything about them. I have to learn, and then I've spent too busy to spend much time. I love shooting them. Like going down there and shooting techno and stuff with the recurves and just thinking around. I absolutely love it. It's enjoyable, but. Um, I'm a long ways away from ever trying to shoot an animal with one. Why? So I don't know how to, I, I need to get better. Maybe if I practice and get that thing all set up. <laughs> you got it. That would be good. We should all link up a traditional archery hunt together. <clears throat> it could be for rabbits, but we should try and do something. I was going to say, I'm going to catch hell no matter what I say, but I, like, I don't really know how to say this, but I'm like, can it be for like an animal that I don't care as much about? But that, there's no way to make that sound good. Like that's going to get shit thrown at you. So, uh, not really. You're uh, not yeah, saying rabbit. it's less important in the life and whatever circle of life. You're just saying you don't care about it as much as you would. You're not going to want to say, oh, yeah, Aaron, I want to go hunt this prime elk unit with my recurve. But you'll probably yeah. be like, yeah, man, I don't mind hunting antelope with it. Although don't choose that one. Yeah. That'd probably be the hardest, <laughs> one of the yeah. hardest. No, I, I need to get out and just, you know, force myself to shoot the thing and then see where I'm at. Yeah. Are you, uh, are you speaking of that, are you ever going back to compound or not anytime soon, ever? I don't think so, no. I like the stick bow, man. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty efficient with it. It's working, yeah. No, I mean, sometimes it takes a little more working at it to get it done, but I like it. Um, And I've had really good luck with it, man. I, I can't... uh I can't complain, and I get super excited every time. Even does get me excited, and and uh, I mean, I've shot some really big animals. I've shot does. I've shot everything in between. So, I like it. I just think that y you know, no matter what, it's helped me or made me or how I felt or whatever. 
it's certainly something that everyone's going to have to choose for their own reasons. And trying to convince someone to shoot one, you got to want to do it, right? I mean, I can throw you advice and help and what you might like, but you're not going to just wake up yeah. and say Aaron said and then go do it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, I've, I've had that dang thing. I just, I've probably shot 10 or 15 arrows through that one, and then I shoot the, the lighter poundage one just in care on techno and stuff. But I, I really enjoy it. Just haven't haven't dedicated much time to it. Yeah, I think Aaron's trying to recruit you to the dark side, as it's called. Yes, yes. <laughs> now it was a, it hey, was. Let a, me let me get it. I need to get a couple good years running, like a two or three year good streak, and then maybe. But until that, I'm definitely not switching to that. I'm sick, bro. It's it's uh. There's a lot of highs and lows. Um. Well, thinking about it, I mean, I went from uh, a bear running at me and shooting it to. Uh, you know, getting my butt kicked at antelope, retiring on the mountain for mule deer, and then making an epic stock in Alberta with a close shot. And, you know, it's definitely got some peaks and valleys. Uh, that's for sure. I mean, you get the same thing with a compound too, but, um, you know, for, I was, you know, could shoot um, the compound, you know, I didn't have too many issues with missing stuff with the compound. So it's certainly a big swing from that. What, what about the hobbits? They'll have like a 22 inch draw. I wonder if they'll ever shoot one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I don't think those two. Uh, which one's the hot? Are you referring to both of them, or just John, or Charlie and John? Are they both sub five three? Uh, Charlie claims he's like three quarters of an inch taller than John. So they're both sub five uh, three. They're both five three, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I don't know where the heck they're short. They're both from the Shire. I mean, since Charlie's ginger, he's probably from the west side of the Shire. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then John's blondie, so he's probably from the east side of the Shire. Um, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I have to say Charlie's probably the grumpy hobbit in, uh, the, you know, the one in the Lord of the Rings or whatever. He's not quite as friendly as, as John is at face value. <laughs> um, uh-huh. but I believe John has fallen in love and maybe having little hobbit babies. What's going on with that? He maybe might have a kid. litter, a litter of hobbits. I don't know. He's... He's talking all kinds of crazy stuff about selling his house and moving, and I don't know. He's he he's a uh, yeah. We may he's have to quick. edit this out, but my shop teacher at one point in time told me, well, "This is the most powerful thing <laughs> oh on the God. planet." I believe that is very true <laughs> at times. You'll crawl through broken glass, Constantina wire, risk millions. Yeah. You, I mean, you, I, I mean, fortunes were gained and lost over a woman. So yep. Is that what's happening to John? Yeah, I mean, he, uh, he, yeah, we've lost him a little bit. Like, he, <laughs> he's gone. <laughs> well, I guess my shop teacher was right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, John, John is in love. Good but, Lord. No, well, it's, that's good for him. Yeah, yeah. No, he still had a, he had a good year. Killed a, killed a bull on the project, uh, killed a deer. So it's, yeah, it was good. We all, uh, we all found success. Tyson was the, He's kind of the, the unknown, not a big social media warrior, kind of stays off that. Just he decides that killing stuff's more important. But he had a heck of a year. Um, you know, killed a, a real good, good bull in Idaho, a good bull in Washington, and a buck in Colorado. So he uh, kind of had the, the best year of the crew as far as killing big stuff. Yeah. Well, that's cool. No, that's good. Um, yeah. 
Well, man, we're hitting close to an hour here, and I got about fourteen phone calls I've got to make. But um, <laughs> hopefully, uh, hopefully, we get a chance to hunt together this year, all of us, and uh, definitely link up for that uh, live podcast thing or whatever, whatever we're going to call it. And uh, you know, definitely, anytime you want to hop back on, I know you get tired of talking about elk hunting, but maybe later on in the season or whatever, we can talk a little bit about elk calling and tactics, even though it's kind of regurgitating the same shit over and over. People still want to hear it. Yeah, yeah, we definitely we can do that, and uh, we've got some a little bit of new material. I don't want to announce it. I don't know exactly how it's going to pop, but we have some you know, educational content and stuff we're working on putting together. And you mean yes, like maybe that'd be a good time. Mathematics or like educational for elk? <laughs> yeah, elk, elk, elk. Oh, yeah, gotcha. not, uh, I'm I'm done doing math. Uh, <laughs> no, we're going to put together like a, a 12, 12 part series on uh, running the calls, kind of strategy and stuff like that, and. Uh, video and then throw it all up for everybody um that's probably my besides the dang keto diet now i get maybe just as much questions about that as i do elk calling but that's uh you know when you you get tired of kind of answer you don't get tired of it but you get the same repetitive questions over and over and over so figure why why not make a video that kind of lays all those answers out for everybody no no for sure man and that's a good uh resource for us to send people to because um I really don't like answering out calling questions, nor should I be. Uh, Frank's actually, Frank, you never called in an elk, have you? I don't call elk. Frank sneaks in and shoots them. It simplifies things. Ninja. Yeah, well, when Ninja. people are like, do you, do you do like a challenge bugle and estrus call, Frank's like, I just sneak in and shoot them. <laughs> well, I mean, Phelps heard me, help, heard me uh, try out a bugle when we were at the expo a couple years ago, and I mean, that probably speaks for itself. So. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't great. Um, <laughs> I think I, I think you gave me a diaphragm, and I kept trying to do turkey calls. So I mean, that probably answers that yeah. question. <laughs> you were just trying to call in Charlie. You guys had some weird romance going on there that made me uncomfortable. For, for whatever reason, me and Charlie get along really well. So I'm not really sure why you guys all say he's so grumpy. I get along with him fine. I just know he can be grumpy, um, <laughs> and you don't want to look into his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Take care, guys. Thanks for thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Go check out Anger Mountain Productions Tradition Project on YouTube. Definitely, and we'll throw a kicker on the front of that for people to check out before they even listen to the podcast. But, yeah, Angry Mountain Productions, everybody go follow all of the people involved on social media. Make sure and send them all the questions you have on gear, arrows, elk calling. It definitely needs to go to <laughs> Phelps, Charlie, and John. What's your personal phone number, yep. Phelps? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what? Um, I'm just what? kidding. Actually, we're still... We haven't we haven't redid all this. When somebody calls me off the website, they still all go to my phone. We're in the process of fixing that, like in the next two weeks. But uh, is that too many phone calls? I can't handle it. Did John fill your website and they, it's not changed because he's in love? Yeah, yeah, I can't get John to do anything right now. <laughs> he's looking for nub. Yep, yep. Making hobbit babies. Uh, at least he's practicing. Yep, yep. Oh so, Lord! All right, all right man. Thanks, guys. thanks for coming on. Take it easy.